This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, a lot of us wish we had more time, but time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you could do more of it. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself, and it isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. Therapy can help everyone be the best they can be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Listen, learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Talkville today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Talkville. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast where each week we go way, 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 way back and we watch every friggin' episode of smallville a show that changed our lives forever and perhaps your lives too i'm michael rosenbaum hello i am tom welling and i am ryan tayas i am also here <laughs> welcome to the early 2000s you can see clearly now i couldn't before because i was so involved and so right in the middle of it all we, we all were but you can see what a difference a good guest star makes and what a bad guest star makes. Well, there's something that I try to remind myself, and, and I've said this before, but I'm working on the show Winchesters now, but your job as a visitor is to bring an opinion. You know what I mean? You have to show up, your character has to show up with an opinion. And that brings an energy and that brings something that the, that the, the real cast, so to say, can, can react to. Mm -hmm. You can't just show up and just, Hey, I'm here. I'm just going to say my line. Amy's performance, what I get from it is like the commitment. Like there's no like, I'm going to look. She's, she wasn't concerned. She just played it. You know what I mean? Yeah. She owned every moment. And that's why her performance jumps out. And yes, she's gone on to do these other things. But what we're talking about is she was doing it then. I mean, she's just yeah, she's a stand up. Did you notice that like she had to do some tough scenes like those scenes where she's eating so much food and they're cutting. Yeah. They're like yeah. uh, jump, jump cuts. Um, yeah, when you were easy. at that lunch table, what was that like? Do you remember that? I um, I do remember kind of being like, I wonder how this is going to happen because I've never been in a scene like this. And I remember that they kept bringing this food away and she would eat some of it. She would spit, you know, eat some of it and then spit it out because you don't want to consume all that food because you're going to get, get sick. sick. But there were so many beats to all that. But the whole time I just saw Amy being so focused and not being distracted and just playing her character. And I was just like, wow, this, like you said, this, this girl knows what she's doing. Like, let's just stand back and watch. Did you feel like she had any kind of, uh, was she nervous at all? Was she anxious at all? Was she, was she trying to please people? It was early she was on. Not, she, I, I can tell you she wasn't trying to please anyone. And I mean that in a, in a, in a good way. Sure. She was there to do her job. She was polite. She was, again, she was focused. You know, I think she, she had learned already that like your job is to come in and do your thing. Don't worry about all this. I mean, she was pleasant, right? But she wasn't like, "Hey, what are you doing this weekend?" Or none of that. No, she was. It, she was there to do her job. I, and I got to hang out with her a little bit, and she was she was wonderful. I thought she was fantastic. Just a no. wonderful woman, and, and honest, obviously a great actress. I think that uh, Michael, who who played Freezer Boy, as I remember, we called him, <laughs> tough role, tough role, and I think he did a good job of not like to be honest, like over like 
sexualizing it, especially when everyone was calling his character that kind of guy. Right. And really, it was about love and warmth and wanting to feel, you know, this connection for human beings. I think that's the bigger or deeper um, idea behind it. And I think that the way he played it, his trajectory was really good. He could have played every scene the exact same way. I'm cold. I want heat. But there's nuances in there, especially there's I'm jumping around, but he goes to see the school nurse and she takes his temperature and he takes the hand. And he puts it on her on his forehead. I mean, that's he did that. I remember that was a choice he did. And that's like, you know, he was he was really good at um at connecting to what it his character really needed. Adam Brody. As top Justin 10. Gaines. Top 10 ever. So Love good. Guy. He's good. So good. He's got a weird voice, doesn't he? Everything about like, him is weird. He it was weird. Like, like, he, he was weird to be around. Not in, a, not, in a, not in a. He was good. He he's wasn't a weird, weird person. His performance was, it was awkward. It was obtuse, but it was grounded. And like you believed everything he was saying. It was very I easy. I agree. Good actor, man. And then not two years later, it would lead to a very similar role in, in, on the OC. You got to suspend disbelief in a lot of these episodes. Suspend disbelief. Suspend disbelief. Am I right, Tom? Suspension of disbelief. I guess you, you just have to suspend disbelief. The show became sort of like they would talk about, is it a freak of the week episode? Yeah. And that meaning that there was some kind of person that was affected by the meteor yeah, shower. Yeah, we, we couldn't that, even say that. That now. has a power. <laughs> and people would say, oh, come on. Why right. is it always Freak of the Week? Well, Amy Adams or something. Yeah. Right. But exactly. But you understand, like in the first episode, this guy that's tied to the cross in the, yeah. in the, in the field and uh, they're, they're, they're picking on him. And then, you know, from the meteor shower, he develops some kind of power of electricity and he's able to use his power to get right. revenge on his, uh, on the people that caused him so much suffering when he was younger. And uh, I think that you did need a Freak of the Week episode because especially when you're starting to understand who these characters are, we have to let them breathe a little bit and, and build what's called character development. And as the episodes grow, you start to get attached to these people. Then you can start getting into the sub-story. <laughs> well, then you can start getting into the <laughs> sub-stories. But you need sometimes the Freak of the Week to kind of for the B sure. story to keep things going. It's an hour show. Yeah. It's very difficult to write 22 episodes. Yeah. I don't know. I don't even know if they do that. This, this. I don't know either. I, I, I think that's a big order now. I think uh, you know. ten months a year we were filming the show, so it's like you had to have these freak of the, freaks of the week until you could start developing, like you know, getting into the red kryptonite and getting into yeah. Lex's past and all this, yeah. all these things, and then we can go uh, into you know into their past and kind of that's when it gets that the show was at its best when we went to the backstories of who these people are i think so yeah um, for sure i think that eventually in and and i and i mean this getting alan miles on here be fun to like did they know did they really have a plan like yeah. i don't know because it seems like they did what, what's funny about these early episodes watching them is you kind of can see how the show starts to find its feet um you know there's always the which always drives me crazy the freak of the week thing i know and i like, say it too this, but, but this is but this is the thing you have to remember every show had a freak of the week supernatural had demon of the week buffy had vampire right. of the week but because back in the old days a avid viewer of a television show watched one in four episodes so you're not doing what we're doing now which is we do eight episodes of a series they're chapters of a book 22 episodes you're doing short stories in the world and then you have some episodes that are mythology that can tie the whole season together so it's it's kind of fascinating now to 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 go back and watch the bug guy died you saw those little bugs come out i thought that was a really great effect i thought that was really cool when he gets smashed at the end clark smashes him with the machinery and those Did bugs he die? and those, Did he? those bugs 
I, I feel like on this show, unless you, unless we had a scene, I think he's graveyard, dead. I the think person he's... maybe didn't. Die. How about Lana's parents? Can we safely say they both died in the pilot? <laughs> I think that's safe to say they were blown to bits. By the way, we never talked about the but boy, holy crap. I mean, they're like, hey, sweetie, how are you, my little three-year-old? Boom. I'm getting a lot of comments saying that Greg didn't die. The bug guy didn't got, die and that he comes back in the homecoming at the season finale. So I think that's right. oh, f- come on. Yeah. The well, people were commenting. I well, you had, I don't how, know how this you, yet. <laughs> You wouldn't know. You haven't seen. You haven't seen that episode yet. <laughs> I didn't Boiler. remember anything. But uh, you know, fans are on top of it. Now, this is the scene I had the most problems with. <laughs> Clark and Pete go to investigate Tina's antique store and discover Tina's mother hidden in an armoire and his X-ray vision. With his X-ray vision. First of all, I, it's fine that you go. Let's go in there. It's like, why? Well, I just have a hunch. <laughs> okay. I'll suspend disbelief on that. But then all of a sudden they go in, they open this thing, and the body's there, and Pete goes, damn, who's that? (laughs) It was like, that's the reactions. Both of you are not that scared. It's a dead body. You're in Smallville. He's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. The the reaction, and they left that. They didn't want a bigger reaction. I was like, damn, who's that? Another dead dead mom. I made a note. I was like, what the? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers, offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. He was always fun to work with. He always, you know, what I remember about Sam Jones III is he always worked really hard. He wanted to be good. He always wanted the scenes to be better. So I always appreciated that. And he was always concerned. He was always, it's got to be better. Let me do it again. Let me do it again. Pete goes to pick up Jody for the party. Ah, sweet Pete. When Jody feels a hunger fall over her and to avoid eating Pete, someone who showed her compassion, uh, leaves him hanging. Pete follows and nearly gets devoured by Jody until Clark rushes in. So one of the the biggest cliffhanger in this whole episode for me is she sends Pete away. Pete comes back and he's like, hey, let me help you. She's like, I don't want to hurt you. And Pete goes, you couldn't hurt a, and he doesn't finish his sentence because he sees her. I'm dying to know what was he going to say? You couldn't hurt a what? (laughs) You couldn't hurt a deer. No, like, that's not it. He doesn't finish the sentence. And I'm watching the episode. And I'm like, what was he going to say? Like, you couldn't hurt a great guy like me. Chloe and Pete break into Hamilton's lab and an incident. An accident causes Pete to get sprayed by the Nicodemus flower. New badass Pete is now hell bent on confronting Lex and violently acting on his vendetta. I really um, I really liked Sam. Sam did a great job. Yeah, it was fun to see him like again, like 
break out of sort of the the Pete that we've grown to love and you know just like the little friend where th- this one he's I don't know I I just his passion was great yeah especially that scene with Chloe yeah he just screams at her and then the look on his face he really he took his job seriously when he was on set he was always wanting to be he was a perfectionist he wanted to be great and he worked mm-hmm. really hard he wasn't messing around he uh no. I always remember that give kudos to you know, Alan Miles, the creators and uh, casting and all that for because the cast was really well cast. I mean, it was a really yeah. I would say side, you know, I mean, go ahead. Say it, you look smart ass <laughs> side from Lex Luthor. I know what he's doing. I, I know what he's doing. Yeah. I mean, this is a recurring theme that I that I go to, but I was the least experienced actor out of everybody. Um, so like even Kristen had been on a television show. Um, Allison would come in and be able to like do 10 things at once and say all this dialogue. And I was like, oh my God, she's amazing. You know, Allison, she's a good actress. You right. know, she always she always did a great job. All of a sudden, Chloe's hysterically crying, going psycho on Lana for, for taking the editor when she, when she has, she's going to hire Chloe so she could eventually take the job back. And she immediately loses her shit. Oh, so cheerleading's not enough? It, that, that scene just, I thought was was misdirected. I thought Allison's great. She's a great actress, but I thought I would not have made her cry and go so crazy. Uh, I just felt like it was a little too much for me. It just felt like, why is she crying? Why is she so emotional that, you know, Lana did this and not seeing she's a smart girl and she should understand what Lana's trying to do and trying to help her. Like Lana wants to be fucking editor. Lana doesn't want to be fucking editor. You, 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 you think Chloe deserves more credit than to respond that 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 way emotionally make herself look bad i felt like it was too much in the torch at the end of a scene she goes and she she takes something off a clark's shirt right at the end um and then later when after we get through the wind she does the same sort of thing to clark she she just touches him up a little bit showing that she cares and i that's no way that was written that was allison pinning herself to the character's reaction i thought that was a, a great acting move Chloe cracks the case from the hospital and tells Clark and Pete that she believed the bandits are able to manipulate their molecular composition to pass through objects because she's a God blessed chemist. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, she had a lot of time to think about it, meditate. I don't know. They manipulate their molecular composition. (laughs) That's it. Case closed. How did he become bug boy? And then Allison starts talking about the wall of weird and, oh, and you kind of put piece it together in that scene. She spells it out for you. And there it is. That's why it's the meteor rock. And when you get a swarm of these insects, uh, this is what happens. At times, it could be a little hardy boys. You know, I like that Chloe is more more involved in the episodes, that that becomes more apparent as as, uh, we go along. But uh, I think she does a really good job. Kyle proves it works by shaking Chloe's hand and convincing her to kiss Clark. And I thought Allison nailed it even after that kiss, the way she's like, so prove it. And then she's, you know, all she, she's just doing so much with her eyes. Yeah. I thought it was fantastic. She did a great job with that scene. And so did you. Chloe arrives to the barn and apologized to Clark for digging into his past. Before she leaves, she shares photos of the dead cows and, that she took in case they can use them for insurance purposes. Good thing one of these photos is a close-up headshot of CEP agent Jude. Chloe shows up to the Kent farm and shares a picture of Ryan's stepfather with Clark, who instantly recognizes him as Lex's limo driver. Why would... Weird. 
was it awkward kissing uh, Allison for the first time? Well, you know, it's because you're hanging out with you guys are friends on set. It's like, you know, it's like she's playing your best friend in the show. It's one of those perfect scenarios where it all works for the scene. And it's not a cop out, you know, it's like, obviously there's no romantic thing, but like there wasn't between them either. So kissing your friend is awkward and as it should be in that scene. So it was easy in that sense that it was just awkward. What I really, so I talked earlier, I really liked that scene between you and Kelly where you're both kind of one-liners back and forth and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And, you know, there's a, there's a kiss there. And you kind of almost anticipate either like the morning after or like a bedroom scene. But no, what happens is the next time we see you, you're in front of the fireplace, still in your office, but laying down romantically like on the like you never leave your office. I never like, noticed where, that. Do you sleep? Are you a vampire? Like what's going on? I'm just a hard like, worker. You're, just, you're like, let's make out for a second. But hold hold on. Hold that thought. Let me start the fire. Let's sit down and talk on the floor. Tom, <laughs> I'm a very hard worker. Do you understand? I work hard. I work long hours in the office. You know, at this point, I think he's already tried to kiss Lana before Aunt Nell yeah. screws it up. I was like, I was like, oh my God, they're going to kiss. They are going to kiss. And they yeah. don't. And I'm like, good Lord. And when Nell goes in, I would have went right after it. She goes back inside. I don't know why Tom didn't say, <laughs> hey, let's continue real quick. Let me give you a kiss goodnight or something. But no, old Clark Kent. Says, all right, I'll be respectful, completely respectful. I, I don't think it would have been disrespectful to give her a little kiss goodnight. No comment. Okay. Well, well she series said, and the series ends. Uh, that night, Lana meets up with Clark in his bar and opens her heart, proceeding to make out with him. However, it turns out to be Tina shape-shifting as Lana, who then pushes Clark out of the barn and onto his truck. Now, this is a scene that I really liked. And, you know, she everybody comes in the barn. Clark, it's your dad. Clark, it's your mom. Lana, everybody comes into this barn. Lex, it's like, dude, can I have some effing privacy here? I was it's having my, a super it's pounding. Literally my, it's literally my fortress of solitude. And everybody comes in, everybody everybody comes in there. But if you know Kristen, like Tom and I know Kristen, she's the uh, as extreme opposite from this portrayal that you can be. And it had to have been really hard for her to just. She didn't, I, dude, I remember this because it was so out of character. It wasn't like she was in the corner trying to figure it out. She could, she, it's in there. She just turned it on. It was surprisingly, she would like, they would cut and she would just like relax and be like, whatever, Kristen. And then they'd go action and she'd turn into this sultry, aggressive, you know. What were you as an actor? Was it kind of like, oh, this is awesome. This is awesome because I, you can just, when it, when another actor is just doing it and being it, well, that's the easiest thing, especially if you're the character who's like, this isn't like you. Like, it was just, it made it simpler. You know, a lot of actors will say, it's just work. It's, <laughs> it's, there's nothing there. Bullshit. <laughs> if Kristen Krug, the most, one of the most beautiful women in the world is playing this character and coming on to you, it doesn't get old. <laughs> I don't care who you are, folks. If, if she showed up at the Luther mansion, Lex would be like, uh. Let's do one more, guys. One more take, please. One more take. One more take. I thought she was on fire, and I was like, was wow, great. I haven't seen her look like that. And she just looked like, it was like reminiscent of Olivia Newton-John in Greece at the end. You and Lana, your scenes are really good together. You guys have chemistry. It's just there. 
the both of you, it just looks like I could tell you like each other. It it, it just yeah. seems right. And Lana confronts Clark for going against Whitney. I thought this was a little surprising. It was a little, you know, sticking up. You know, the episode before, she's so into Clark and all these things. And now, you know, she's defending, I guess, her boyfriend. I mean, they've made up, you know, at this point, Whitney's told her about it, the father and she feels for him. And now she goes after Clark saying, why would you choose, you know, this guy who lives in the middle of nowhere who like I fell off a horse and we don't know exactly what happened um, to, you know, why would you uh, believe him over Whitney? I think it was very good acting on Kristen's part because I'm pretty sure she felt the same way. <laughs> <laughs> I remembered the cards. I think it's because you couldn't remember your line. The playing cards. I think it was written on the playing card. What, six of hearts or whatever it is? I couldn't remember. Yes, Tom, you wrote your lines <laughs> I on a card. Was there, but I'm pretty sure there was something. <laughs> Yes, totally threw you under the bus. I love it. You used one of the. Remember his line. What card do I have? So Tom's uh, in. The, <laughs> so Tom's in a limo, guys, and he and he's uh, he gives her. He says, "Pick a card," and then he says, "Oh, it's the three of hearts." And she's like, "Oh my gosh!" And you know he knows magic, but really he has X-ray vision. Yeah. Well, thanks for being here, Kristen. It was really nice. Kristen, it was a real treat. Welcome. I love it because because Lana's like, "Oh hey, hi," and he's all creepy. She's like. Would you like some coffee? Like the way she says coffee. <laughs> coffee. Would you like some coffee? Let me get my bags. Victoria and her father, Mr. Hardwick, just cracked me up. Hey, Lex. <laughs> well, it looks like this. Your father. <laughs> wow. She looks nothing like her father. Oh, but my oh, gosh. That accent. <laughs> the fucking Mary Poppins. <laughs> yeah. I, looked, I mean, I, I had to look it up. I was like, that is a terrible accent. He's Canadian. He's not so, English. He's not English at all. And I had to make sure. But yeah, that was something. That yeah. was he was a really nice I could, guy. I remember uh, he was a little nervous. Uh, I don't remember too much about him, but I remember doing that scene. I remember being up there and kind of having this, you know, playing this kind of game with them, you know, uh, that Lex does that kind of cat and mouse thing. But uh, he was nice. <laughs> I just it, is, it is funny sometimes when, when you're doing a scene with somebody, especially if you don't know them. And there's rehearsals and everything else. And then you go to shoot one and someone does something and you just kind of go, oh, that's what you're going to do. Oh, oh, okay. That's what you're going to do. That's All what right. you're going to do. All right. What I remember about that scene is it being such a long scene. Like I was really nervous going into that scene. It was, it, it's a long scene with this love interest. You know, there's a lot going on. There's a point in there where I flub a line, but because of the shot, I guess they didn't have any other option. It's in there. I, I, I like, I did like a double talk over my line and it's in the movie like it's, it's I, I don't movie. i don't remember that oh yeah i heard it you said don't twice right yeah like you know. I, I didn't hear that because it would they were trying to get so much of it in these long moving shots and i guess they didn't have coverage and they just had to use it i mean it it it, it kind of comes across as endearing but i i remember being like this is one of the longest dialogue scenes i've had so far so you were nervous because it was like you hadn't had to talk that much right but here's the best part clark should be nervous at the same time. So I kind of yeah. tried to go with it. Yeah, I think you did go with it. I think it works. Yeah. And in the end, uh, Clark has a line. I know it wasn't you because a real mastermind would have worn a mask. And I, re I remember <laughs> Clark looks at you and you look at me and we start laughing. And that's that was just us. That was you and me. Yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. that. You just had a big yeah. cheesy smile on your face. Um, <laughs> Again, not I think Annette was just so wonderfully perfect in this. The way she's thinking about her son, encouraging her son. And then Jonathan's like, hey, back off a little bit. But she's just so loving. I just love She's her. amazing. But I did. I felt like there was one moment where I thought she messed up a line. 
Like she like oh, really? she flubbed it. Yeah. She said something like she goes, blah, 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 the spring formal. Like she forgot the word formal, but it's fine. No one else would know, but she's so good that I, I, I always, I never notice anything but brilliance. And this one, I go, oh, there's a little bit of a, you know, Finally, but they let it go. A chink in the armor. Yeah, exactly. We'll bring her up if we have her as a guest. I hope sometime we find some flaws with Annette O'Toole that we can talk about. Because it seems impossible at this point. It's impossible. She's pretty much on point. And remember just like soaking up like how she moved and how she sort of, I don't know, how she just operated as an actor in that environment. I just remember like watching her as Clark was doing, but like just trying to soak up like her wisdom. Yeah. She's a, uh, she's a great actress and it was always fun watching her and being on set with her. She took her work very seriously. She was always gentle and sweet and nice to be around, but she also took her work very seriously, whether she was saying a bunch of bullshit, spitting it out or whether she had a monologue, but she was always, and she was always there for the other actors. Back at the hospital, we find out Beals had died and Martha fears Jonathan is next. This is by far one of the best acting moments on the show. Yep. It's by far Martha's best acting, uh, Annette's. She was incredible. It seemed effortless. Like she was just in love with this guy. And the story she tells about meeting Jonathan, how she thought, I just, I knew I was going to marry him. And I still think that today. And your look, like, oh my God. It was like when you're acting with her, when she's going through that, are you amazed by what she's doing? Dude, it, she makes it all so real. Um, you know, if you if you look at those lines on a piece of paper, what she says in this scene, it's really cheesy. You know what I mean? But she she could just make things real. She was the easiest person to listen to in a scene. She, she was. wasn't. She made. She wasn't like saying lines. You know what I mean? She was just there with it. I mean, I always thought she was a great actress, but when I watch that, I now I'm like, wow, that was impactful. That. I was I was just blown away by her performance in that. And she didn't have a lot to do. And that moment was just breathtaking. And there's a really great shot of Annette, Martha. Yeah, with yeah. Clark and Lennon back. In and the her foreground. Reaction, mm-hmm. her, in her foreground. And her reaction to that is like priceless. As a, as a mom, rooting for your it. son, wanting all these things for your son. And I thought that was a great beat. Annette did a great job. If you watch, she's running through she's the She's into by it. The way, I know that field. That's a cattle. So that whole farm is a cattle farm. That field is not flat to run on. Okay. There's hoof prints everywhere. You can snap an ankle easily in that field. <laughs> and that's running her turn. And by the way, the swarm of bees, did it remind you of Hitchcock's The Birds? Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah. Her hair, she played it exactly the, the way same she's as turning. The birds. And like, yeah. And when she finally turns, like everything is perfect. And then that, like, I don't know how much like CGI and stunts Annette has done, but dude, she nails. Every movement in that it was 20 years ago. So the effects are <laughs> what the effects are. It was kind of a little bit like eh. the cobwebs. I didn't think they looked very real on Lana. It looked like that, you know, that stuff you get at Halloween and you kind of rip it apart. It just, it didn't look like a cobweb, but you know, you gotta, I guess you let that go. Right. Suspending disbelief. Yeah. It's suspension of disbelief was, it was a big theme in the show. Um, you know, when, when Clark goes and find and, and, and reveals the mother in the cobwebs, <laughs> I kind of remember being like, this is ridiculous and stupid, but maybe this is what cobwebs look like. Yeah, like I convinced myself. The technology that we were able to use on the show became affordable for a television show and not just a film. Right, yeah. Like literally that year, the visual effects just, you know, it just happened to be, like if we had done the show a year earlier or a year later, it would have been a different show. Right. It was literally that year um, where the studio was open to it to spend money. 
Um, and the more that we did the visual effects, the, the more the price came down, which is a weird thing. Hmm. Um, Cause I remember there was something, there was like thing, something we did in season one that was like $50,000 by, by like season five, it was like, uh, we'll just do it. Don't oh, worry yeah. about it. Like, they, they did, the visual effects people didn't even charge us for. It yeah, anyway. yeah, we're good. Yeah, we're I'll good. just fit it in. What did you think of the shape shifting? I thought the effect was pretty cool. It was, uh, you know, it wasn't perfect, but it, it was uh, probably ahead of its time, and I think it worked for what it needed to do. Did you feel like that, Tom? I I thought it was effective. I again watched it on the internet. I mean, as far through through an app, so I don't think I got the the quality that I would have gotten through the, a DVD, perhaps. Yeah. But I but I think it told the story really well because those were some big heavy special effects shots. Was that like your first like big green screen? It was just in a big studio, and um, there are some what were the flowers called? Sunflowers. Sunflowers are yeah. like a handful of there were some sunflowers there. And, you know, he's just like, I want you to go to the sunflower. I want you to smell it and just smile. And then all of a sudden blood's going to, and it was just like one take. We had one take with the blood. I mean, that was, you know, it. what's really funny is, you know, the sunflowers have very little smell at all. Filming that was, I remember fun. I remember had fun. I had fun doing that stuff. Was it? <laughs> Somebody's car got thrown through a roof. Did you see that? Yeah, that was badass, wasn't it? <laughs> when, just when Clark shows, yeah, he shows up to the scene of the crime after he's like, that is so much destruction. That, that is, is so much destruction. Unnecessary. <laughs> just like the pans around. There's a car on the roof. One person like was what, saved. At what point? At what point does like the national guard not get called out when right. cars are getting thrown? And <laughs> yeah, it's like we got some. We got King Kong on our hands here. Yeah. I mean, set design was real proud of themselves for that one though. Objects around the room lift around them. This catches. By the way, the one the one that's focused on. Yeah, the little doll or whatever. The little alien. It's a green alien guy. Yeah, that, that was definitely not an accident. Symbolism. Yeah, James probably thought he was genius for that moment. He's like, I got that one. I got, I got the, you'll be an alien. Just like, <laughs> when that guy turned the pool into ice and when... <laughs> and I thought the freezing of the pool was pretty cool. What did you think, Ryan? Yeah, I thought that looked pretty good. And then, you know, the, I like that, you know, her, her foot gets stuck at the end. Again, like, right. it's another, like, it feels very horror movie-esque. How did they get the fire out of the sprinklers? <laughs> If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Macy's, Adidas, Walmart, Nike, Wine.com, Samsung, Lenovo, Sephora, and more and even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use, and you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Named one of the best personal finance podcasts, The Stacking Benjamin Show with Joe and his friends makes financial literacy fun. I got an email today from the LenPenzo.com HR department. I find oh. it really interesting. I'm an employee of one at this company, so but somebody from the HR department sent me an email telling me that I had a raise. If I just opened the attachment, I could see how much my raise was. Make sure you click on the links that are in there, too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, I can't wait. This is I'm excited. Find out more by searching the Stacking Benjamins podcast wherever you listen. That must have been digital. I don't think it was digital. I don't think, I don't it think they poured gasoline through there and lit it. But, you know. 
I don't know. I mean, it looked pretty practical. What do you guys think? It looks, I don't know. Like, it, looked, it looked pretty good. It did look pretty practical. Well, Wasn't I it? know that there wasn't fire coming out of the sprinklers. That was after the fact. <laughs> Unless they had some kind of hoses and I don't know. But it, that if that was an effect, bravo, bro. Bravo. Well, this is what we've talked about this before, that finally visual effects were coming to television in that way. Um, yeah, it was impressive. Lucky. And Bill Millar was our, our at, at that point. He did the yeah. uh, he did the uh, effects and stuff. Remember the episode on September 11th was the one where the sprinklers on the football field. Hothead. Hothead. We, we covered that fire. one. Did they really shoot fire out of those sprinklers? And was, yeah, yeah, we did. You remember how it smelled? Like it was it was gas. We shot some kind of propane or gas out of those sprinklers, I'm, and I'm wrong. I got I nauseous. Was wrong. A bunch of crew people got nauseous. Oh my God. Lovely. So it really was because that people were asking know. those questions. Fans or listeners or yeah. co watchers were calling in and they were asking I mean, us. So, about just to, so, like when you say, why was it chaotic? Just think about that one scene. You know, the effects guys had to figure out, okay, so we have to run water through the line and then on camera switch water off through like 20 sprinklers and then pump in propane and ignite it like on camera. Like that's not a small technical feet with people right? around and with people around <laughs> with, with people and it's it, yeah i don't know whether it was gas or propane but like a lot of people got nauseous i got nauseous it was like pretty gnarly it stunk but it looked That's cool. Perfect. There was a moment where like a coach, there was a fire or something and their coach was caught in the car and, and we had a, we had this door on a wire and Tom grabbed it and pulled. And I remember kind of making a couple of adjustments to make it better. And then it was like my second or third day of shooting and Tom pulled the door off the car and threw it. And I remember thinking like, I fucking love this show. This is so cool. <laughs> I love this show. This is awesome. Like it was just a job at first, right? That was pretty intense. Do those scenes explain those scenes, Tom, when you have a bunch of fire and I mean, is there a lot of fire going on in the stunt when you, when you're doing it? Yeah. So what they did a lot of times is they would have some practical fire and then they would shoot a separate plate and enhance or add some fire after the fact. Um, a lot of that is safety related um, because those like that car blowing up, that's probably eight hours just to do that because there's so much safety involved. And a lot of the times I just wouldn't even be around for that stuff. Cause like, why bother? You know, I, I wasn't just going to hang out for eight hours to see a car blow up. Right. Um, especially if I could go home. I don't know when Quan was walking out of the coach's office, how he didn't see the fire. Right. You mean, the, you mean in the torch? Yeah. And he what? just, he's just watching and, and the coach is just watching the fire. Okay, he lights the TV on fire right behind him. And then he just goes, yeah, he's like, and oh. then he leaves. Yeah, then he, I think he leaves or something. And he walks right by the fire extinguisher too. I think you can see in the shot. Yeah, there's no sprinklers oh. going off. There's no. He's like, you better deal with that. Principal Quan confronts and suspends Chloe as editor of the Torch for running stories about Smallville being the mutant capital of the world. Do you think he'd really shut down the Torch just for that? Maybe he's worried that she has a uh, fire ability and will shoot fire out of sprinklers. If, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what he, yeah. <laughs> Quan almost died with all that stuff. I need to stop this before it goes too far. Also, but. just like the amount of things that he, this poor guy has just witnessed over the past year. The fires, the bees. What, what? I mean, we know what he's talking about with his therapist. Yeah, I think so. I saw he's a man tell, light Everybody's a like, why is he so mean? Why is he so tough? <laughs> there's a lot going on <laughs> i like principal kwan i think you know if i met him i don't think i've ever met him but if i met him i'd be like oh my god i was really shocked and surprised that hero kanagawa died in this episode well spoiler principal, alert principal kwan, james kwan, well we're gonna get into it we're here 
It wasn't his fault. And it really shocked me that they would kill Principal Kwan off. He was a good character. I liked his presence. I, I just, I, you know, it's kind of sad seeing him like. I feel I go, like I it. feel like his last moment was finally. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Because yeah, we <laughs> let go I'm, of I'm small leaving though. this. We did just talk about him and give him some props after the last one. After all the the stuff that he saw. Oh, he goes out hard, guy. man. Oof. And Dude. as far as I know, from a um, at the high school. I feel like he was the only person there. Like, where are the teachers? Where is? Yeah, his... I never saw teachers. Well, you saw teachers. Everyone's remember Chloe's dad, but they weren't a part of it. I think I feel he 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 was a part of the, the burden. He carried the burden. He yeah. So God bless you. Rest in peace, Principal James Kwan. Clark decides to investigate the murder scene at Kwan's house and is met by Danny Kwan's son and the Air Force recruiter at Career Day. We then find out Danny was the driver and not Principal Kwan. However, he knew about it and was protecting his son. Oh, devastating. Um, you know what I like, again, is this father-son dynamic. We really get to see Lionel Luther as a guest star on the show, and he was an uh, integral part of this show, to say the least. And having that dynamic, the father-son dynamic, and does he even care about his son? Does he even, you know, and them always one-upping each other. I like that that's, we see signs. That's the kind of the beginning. We had a fencing scene from a few episodes ago, and now we have you know moments at the at the um, at the plant because it is about family, and you needed a family. I mean, you you. I mean, there there was Clark, and 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 I mean the the balance needed to be uh, the, 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 you, where you were similar. Yeah. So if you if there were no grown ups in your life. They needed grown-ups. Isn't that amazing to think that Lionel Luther wasn't really supposed to be that big of a part in Smallville? Could you imagine, uh -huh. like Tom said, it would have uh, sort of diminished my character, uh, like his, you know, the, the, I, I think that like he needs that presence to, to see why he became the way he became. Sure. You know, you need to see that backstory. And if you weren't there, I think it'd be a different show. Clark goes home and he doesn't have his powers anymore. And he's afraid his parents aren't going to love him anymore. Oh, and, John yeah. and, and yes, Jonathan has this, that. Jonathan has and this it, great thing of like, you know, chances lightning doesn't strike twice. Chances are you're not going to get your powers back and we still love you. And you're right. raised, and we don't love you because of, because of your special abilities. We yes. love you because of who you are. You're there not you who you're not what you can do. You are who you are. Oh, that was, that was a wonderful uh, underlying message in all of Smallville. Especially watching this episode because it, it, it comes to light. I, I always felt that the, that, Jonathan and Martha spoke to Clark's heart, not to his head and not to his physical abilities. It was like it was getting into the soul choices. And I felt like that was the connection that that resonated. Um, and it worked on set. <laughs> you know what I mean? With everything going oh, yeah. around. And it was just like, hey, listen, we're going to focus here. And it shows it was, you it shows yeah. you like if you have the right parents to raise you, good people raising you you know, you become a, a certain person. Like, you know, obviously Lex becomes yeah, who he becomes. He doesn't have, have the best well, there was, there, There's been, uh, people have, have uh, pontificated on what if the Kents had found Lex after the, after the, uh, after the uh, meteor, meteor shower. shower. Not the tornado. My gosh, yeah, the meteor shower. <laughs> what if, what if Lionel had raised Clark? When you stop breaking the stories, you want to make sure that, that Lex is an integral part of the the show. What, what, what is his, yeah. what is his stories per, Every week, what are you going to do with that? And as Al said, it's like the, the contrast makes the Kent story more resonate more fully. Um, but I think the the Kent relationship is great too. I mean, like oh, yeah. John and Annette have incredible chemistry, and it's like he is that like 
all-American guy. He's he's just the opposite of Lionel. So it's just the perfect. Yeah. Back in the day, you know, especially on that network, on the WB, parents were either clueless and not around, like in Buffy, or they were, as, as John Schneider aptly put it, the parents were the adults and the adults acted like children, like on Dawson's Creek, right. which is, he's not wrong. You know what I mean? And so we wanted to do a show where, you know, Clark liked his parents. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they, like most kids want to like their parents and have a great relationship with them. They're not looking to be antagonistic. Oh, so yeah. that was something. A functional relationship rather than just the opposite of the, 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 the Luthers. It's a functional parent-child relationship. It doesn't mean yeah. they don't have conflict, but it actually, the whole point is they love each other. And I think that's yeah. aspirational as well for the, for the audience is that people dream of that. They want that relationship, that connection with parents. So that was part of it. Um, I think that's part of the allure of Superman. That well, I think it. I think it comes through obviously because we go to these conventions and stuff, and people come up and they're like, "I watch this with my dad. I watch this with my grandfather." It's multi generational watching, and you know, I, you guys did it. And but, but it was also like a big fight. I mean, people didn't. People literally said you shouldn't do it. They said no. It's. it's it's like we had this is in this outset, this early days before we we had we had all this like backroom politics with the the network and people saying you know the parents should be like much more antagonistic and he should hate the parents and it should be it's just like much more of the cliche teen uh, drama kind of thing and we really fought against that. Well, one of the one of the quick things that Michael and I talk about is we're both older now than you were when you were on Smallville. <laughs> and we'll leave you wow. on that. We'll leave you, you on that. Weird. How old are you? How old are you, Tom? I'm 45. And I'm 50. You believe that? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I had no experience as an actor, right? Right. And so a lot of times when you're in a scene with people, um, you're you're you know, you're there's a distance, you, you know. The actual touching is sometimes not even allowed. If that makes sense. And then for for John to reach out and grab my shoulder. You know what I mean? It's like a real thing. I remember being like, oh, wow, that's like, that's a real move. Like, that's awesome. He's, he's, yeah, he's directing his motivation. He, this right. is what he wants because to do. Because you're really not supposed to touch other people. Because the way he's composing himself, trying to talk to this guy, protecting his son, standing up for him. I feel like he's always just about to just like pounce like a, like a, like a lion on this. Yeah. I, I really, he's, this is John Schneider at his best. I hundred percent agree. I yeah. felt when he slammed Phelan on that table, that oh. was a great moment. I thought his his you could tell he was hurt. Like this guy's going to hurt my son, and that enraged yeah. him. If it's one thing that enrages uh, Jonathan, it's someone messing with his son, right. and I haven't seen that side of him. Jonathan performs an amazing drift. An exit, the door open, drift yeah. an exit from this vehicle to go help the crash driver. He pulls him out just before the truck goes up in flames. Nice that was, uh, by the way, I remember that being John Schneider's idea that one, he could turn the, he, I, I remember him hearing the discussion where he's like, why don't I just slide the car, open up the door and say it. <laughs> and the director was like, I'm sorry, what? Cause it was going to be, you know, stop roll the window down, yell out the, you know, and John just did it. I didn't remember that this had happened, but that fist on the window, as soon as I saw it, when I was rewatching, I remember that was John. John did that. Really? And I remember, and I remember he didn't tell me he was going to do it. And it's, you know, this might sound ridiculous, but in the acting world, you kind of get what I mean. He just did it on his side and they shot him first. He just put his hand up there. And I remember just being like, what, um, uh, dad, like, you know, like, what do you, Okay, like what is this? 
And then, then he leans in and he really gets in. I remember you're like, this is awesome. Like, that's great. And you remember that. Always wanted that connection. Yeah. John always tried to elevate scenes. He did. And he did elevate scenes. The little nuance I like in that scene um, is a callback to the conversation that Jonathan, Jonathan and Martha had where after all of that, and, and Jonathan's like, I knew this, I knew this would happen. He says, I guess we're here to listen because of his conversation with his wife. And I thought that was a, that shows character and it shows relationships um, that I think uh, there's a lot of that in this series, which is, I think, why it survived. By the way, how handsome did Lionel look? He did. John Glover, when you guys, I, I know it's toward the end of the episode, when you open up the trunk at the end of the, toward the end of the episode, mm-hmm. how handsome did John look? I mean, that's, the, that's all I could think about. He was handsome, those long locks. Yeah, it, but it was that shot in particular. He looked, he looked younger. He looked, he looked Dunning. fresh. <laughs> he did. Yeah. I think because he wasn't working at all on the show, and that was his only scene. That he came and he looked just dynamite. He did this beautiful thing, and 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 thank you, anyone who's listening. I know we're jumping to the end, but we're excited when when you're when Lex is like look in the trunk, and he walks over. And he goes, "What did you do? What did you do? What? Did, that's oh. not written." That's no. him. What did you do, son? What did, what what did, did you, you do? do? What did you do? And then what he opens up the trunk, do? and obviously he says, you know, well done. Lionel Luther arrives in Smallville to give Lex a hard time about having Victoria at the mansion weaseling into Luther Corp. This was John Glover at his best. I mean, he's in one scene. He comes in. He just takes all over. And, you know, I, I just, I love that scene. He's he's so much fun and so scary but trying to be loving at the same time, there's so many dynamics to him, but that's John. I mean, if you listen to this podcast enough, I'll always tell you how much I adore him. So this is just another one of those stories. What was more ex- exhilarating, watching line, watching John Glover show up on set or walking into the trailer and seeing him in there? Because he always had something happening. You know what I mean? He always had an energy. He always has. An he did. He always just had something going on. So many fun stories with John Glover. It just was always a treat. When you're in a bad mood, he would just go, oh, like, look at this yeah. guy who's in a bad mood. And he would kind of oh, laugh Oh, are you at in a you. bad mood? He would laugh. Yeah. Like, okay, okay, we won't talk to Michael. <laughs> it was just... And it helps because you acknowledge it and then it disappears. Yeah, it's kind of like, oh, am I upset? Who cares? I'm, I'm lucky to be here. He's always up to something. He's like, you know, he's, what can I do that's provocative? But do you, do you, do you actually recall him asking for that or just they were there and he picked them up? I'm sure I I said something about it. I'm sure I said, oh, holding those blue balls, huh? And I'm sure he made a joke like, oh, blue balls, Lex. Well, but you know what I found out about John Glover is that in the pilot episode, when he came on, I was so intimidated by him and I didn't think he liked me. I was really worried like, oh my God, I got to work with this fuck nut. You know, that's how I felt. But then I confronted him about it later on. I was like, how did you confront him? You were like, hey, do you like me? Because I just said, together. hey, I've always felt like you didn't really like me in the pie. He's like, no, I was so nervous. I had just oh. gotten the part and I was I was trying to deal with things. And um, and so a lot, you know, that tells you a lot about like anxiety and life in general. It's sort of like, hey, it's not always about you. And yeah. uh, he was going through some stuff. But uh Working with him was just was just a wonderful experience. He um, always it was always he always brought something to the scenes that you wouldn't have anticipated. Yeah, and, you know when you're working with him, he'd always surprise you. It was 
a gift. He was always it's, just very fun and flamboyant on set too, just bouncing around and having a good yeah. time. Later on, in the pilot, like I said, he was just in his head, and he, like everyone right. else was, we were like just trying not to get fired and trying to, you know, do a great job. But he also, I know we're on a John Glover kick right now, but you, he wasn't easily rattled on set. Whether he had to wait, whether he had to go fast, he just was like, he's a veteran. He's just like, he's fluid. Yeah. In, in everything he did. Yeah, yeah, he was a veteran. I wept when I had to give you uh, um, electric shock because it was such a horrific thing to have to do to my son. Oh, God. But it needed to be done because I loved you so much, my boy. <laughs> and I don't remember a building laying on top of me. You know, a big, you know, that big thing. I don't, I don't remember that. The pillar, the pillar of the office of the. Uh... Yes, yes, that looked very painful. God know? bless stuntmen. I mean, and women, stunt people, as you would say, um, they really make us look good. And it's to the point where I've had stunt guys, stunt ladies, say, "Hey, don't tell people it was you who did that. It makes us look better." If they think that, think was that you? Say yeah. Tom, did you have the same stunt guy the whole time? Uh, Chris Sayre was Ooh. my stunt guy for many, many, many Tell years. him what happened to Chris Sayre. Uh, well, I don't know how much I can say about it. Not that I am was any part of it, but I know there's some legal stuff at the end of it all. But he he was on a, dis well, he was supposed to come through a building, a warehouse on a decelerator, and the decelerator failed. And he was very, very uh, tragically injured. Um he and, recovered, uh, but it took a long time. I mean, he, yeah, he I think he, he, he fell. I want to say he fell 25 or was it 50 feet? Three or four stories at least. Did you see it? No, I wasn't in the room. What The Thank other thing God. is, here's the other thing. Because I had so little time that I didn't work, any time I could get away from set, I would. So if they're like, oh, we're doing something with the stuntman, I'm like, later. Yeah. And I was, even if it was 10, 15 minutes, I would take a walk. I mean, I mean, eat, I, I yeah. I remember asking so many questions about that for people that were there. And one of them said, I go, what was it like when he hit the ground? He said he was just like. Well, he's broken he was in just, many places. He was just like. I, I was in my he trailer. He couldn't breathe. He was like. Yeah, I, I knew what they were filming. Oh, I Didn't love really give it too. much thought because they were, everybody was so good at what they were doing. And I heard the ambulance. And I was like, what is an ambulance doing here? And then they were like, uh, just stay here. And then like nobody wanted to talk about it. And oh, um, it, was it was very trash. tough. Yeah. But I remember sitting you know, on the side of the tank with my stunt double and everybody being like, well, we just need to give Michael a second. And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, I don't, okay. Like, I don't, I don't know how any of this goes, right, right. but all I know is like, if that's what he needs, that's what he's an actor. Well, <laughs> so what Ryan or Ryan doesn't know, and maybe I've talked about it. I don't know, but it was a 20 foot tank, 25 foot tank. And at the bottom, they had the car, the portion there. And what they did was they put me in there and I'd have like an oxygen tank. Yeah. And they would put weights on me to hold me in place. And then... Because his character's trapped in the car. I'm trapped yeah. in the car unconscious. So David Nutter would go, okay, Michael, give me a thumbs up if you can hear me. And I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> and then you like, just uh, let us know when you're ready and take the oxygen mask off. And the guy's like, don't worry, I'll be right over here with your oxygen. And, <laughs> As you're buckled and, 10 and feet underwater. Buddy, buddy, for the first five takes, I was like... <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't, I gotta get out of here. I gotta get out of here. And I, and I would just swim up to the top and they're like, oh my God. I'm like, Tom, they're going to fire me because I can't do this. I'm so freaked out. And we took a scuba diving. They made us take a scuba course. And so we knew how to do it, but it was different going 25 different. feet under, it's putting something on you. You have nothing. You're just lying there. And then he's got to grab you out of the water and take you. And then 
it was just i couldn't wrap my head around them I, I was worried this is it they're gonna fire me i'm a i'm a, I'm a puss <laughs> you know and somehow we got the take and david said that was perfect we're good my stunt man stunt guy there's the fall which we'll get into at the end of the episode where i fall into the couch off the top yeah. of the uh zero club three two one he doesn't go and oh. we we stop and go hey is everything all right he goes i i can't do it what i can't do it he you froze can't do your job? he he said i i can't i can't do this fall i'm gonna kill myself i'm too scared to do this fall i can't oh. do it well i'm glad he spoke up that's good and he didn't he didn't do it so we had to get someone else to come in and do that and shave their head and do it that day that day or i think they ended up shooting it like later that night or they got another stunt guy that came in shaved his head put makeup on and boom it was uh well, it was kind of crazy second, that that second guy must have been happy because you know he was like mm, how much we're talking about here yeah and you know what's <laughs> funny is this guy who couldn't go off and jump off this thing fall you know do a yeah. somersault or whatever I remember he did do a stunt where we're going like 55 miles an hour in a limo and he just opens the door and jumps out. He jumped out and bumped his head. And I'm like, you that. could fucking do that, but you can't <laughs> jump off a little. It was crazy. He had balls, but like, I, I think he just froze. We all have those moments in life. The corn silo. The corn silo. That had to be kind of like claustrophobic being in there. I mean, um, I very, very, very dangerous shoot. Um, I remember probably top three most dangerous things we ever did. And I didn't know it at the time. Um, what happens is if, if something goes wrong and that stuff's coming down and you're in there, you're done. Like you can't really get people out of there. Yeah. It's hard. You, you, you die pretty quickly. You just can't breathe. Yeah. That was pretty creepy. It made me uncomfortable. <laughs> Lana steals Lex's car and goes to fulfill her greatest desire, climbing a windmill near the top. Lana falls into a daze and Clark catches her before she hits the ground. So one of the things that I remember about that is, so that windmill was out there and like, it's a windmill and you're like, okay. And they made such a safety issue of being up there and sitting there. We just see at the end is that we sit up there, not to ruin it if you haven't seen the episode, but, and they had these harnesses and they had, they were strapping us down. And because of all the anxiety of safety, I started to get nervous. <laughs> really? I was like, you know, cause I mean, I mean, it's, it's up there, it's high, but it's not like, you know, 60 stories high. I could, and I remember understand. climbing up there and then being like, and they were like, so they were being so careful that I'm like, is, am I missing something here? Like, is this thing going to fall down? Like what's happening? Well, on no. set, don't you guys have like that one person who's like the, the safety, the safety officer. And they're just, they're very, very passionate about their job. And they should yeah. be. They should be. And they, I mean, rightfully so, but they, but they do make things a little bit more intense. Like if there's like, yeah. Even like some prop that's like kind of like half dangerous. There's like, this like really great knife. story. Yeah. There's this really great story, which I'm, I'm sure everybody's already heard it. But Matt Damon tells this story about when he's talking to Tom Cruise and he asks about this one stunt. He goes, how did you get away with that? And Tom Cruise is like, well, I remember discussing it and describing what I want to do with the safety guy. And he said, no way. That is way too dangerous. And Matt Damon's like, so what'd you do? He goes, I got another safety guy. <laughs> <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. And he just found, he kept going until he found somebody to say, yeah, you could do that. I, I tried to convince my wife that when, when the Porsche hits Clark, 
mm-hmm. and flies in the water. I try to convince her that I did that stunt. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. And I was like, we got it on the first take. She's like, that's not you. And I'm like, well, you know what? I, I, I would think, you know, as we get go along and we'll see some other episodes, they're definitely in the beginning. I was like, no, I'll do my own stunt. I'll do this. And I remember falling. I remember hurting myself. I remember. Just and I'll let your fucking stunt guy do their job. And don't be a do hero. It, they get they get paid for each stunt they do. Exactly. So every time an actor says I'll do it, the stuntman's like, Yeah, great. Look, this this could be in the direction. Okay, this is the direction. If I'm a director, I don't want somebody to come off corny and more of a caricature. You know, when you're doing the show and you're in the middle of it, I don't think you ever have any re- realization to what it means to the rest of the world. And as I've gone on out into the world after Smallville and I work on other shows, I'll have like a B camera second assistant come up to me and is like, you worked on Smallville? And like, you know, I'll offer them like a crew t-shirt and it just, it changed. I've, I've had people come up and say it changed their lives. I know they don't say that about Flash. They don't say that about, they don't, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It was it's iconic. Funny. It was iconic. And the emotion and the, it, it really is, um, was such a privilege to be a part of it's all it's also been 21 years so those yeah. five-year-olds who watched it are now working for you that was the first show i ever produced and i, I now have produced 10 shows but it's w- without a doubt the closest to my heart because we, you know things have happened on that show that never happened anymore like it was like okay like on thursday on thursday nights the night that the show aired we would stop we'd stop work in the production office and we'd go into like one of the offices and like everybody would like sit on the couch and watch the show together. Yeah. So like the, the production office team would like watch the show together. Every, everybody. I miss the time we spent there. I'm, I'm seeing a, it's probably because of this podcast, but I'm seeing a, uh, a resurgence in Smallville interest, at least with regard to, uh, to my experience there. Um, so I think it's fantastic. You well, know, it's a, it's a, it's a shining light. It's going to sound corny, but you know me, I'm a little corny. It's a shining <laughs> light in all of certainly Warner Brothers television history. And uh, I do believe that Smallville was responsible for starting this whole or authenticating this whole superhero craze. Absolutely. I think I think Smallville was the first really, truly the first show that got it all right. Yeah. Yeah. It was great because I got great stuff to play and they started listening to me. Did you like yeah. getting recognized as Lionel? Or were you like, oh, I wish they'd recognize me from this or this, but they recognized me as this guy from this show? You know, when, when, toward the end, they, they, when they recognized me, several of them would say, listen, we can't figure this out. Are you supposed to be a good guy or a bad guy? That's what and you want to hear. And that's one of the best compliments an actor can get. Absolutely. So I, I thought it was terrific. You got to be self-aware about this stuff. Right. You can't take it too seriously, but also at the same time, you can't just I mean, there's a lot of true things to talk about. And I think you guys have a good balance of hitting on. Oh, yeah, this is a cool behind the scenes thing that happened. People might not know about. And here's a fun story. And you know what? This is a good emotional scene. But also, this is pretty ridiculous. Right. We can all agree on this. And so that's you got to have that good balance. And I think you guys are doing a great job. And it's it's so fun to because I've been to a few conventions, a handful that you guys have been to. And um like I feel like you've kind of bottled that and put it into this, like that that same kind of vibe, which which uh, at least speaking for myself, I, I really think is great. Yeah, well, we, we I'll say to that Al that we didn't think we were going to supply full seasons. No, that's <laughs> what we didn't think would happen. Yeah, yeah. We, we we were always and we still do live in fear of being kicked off all our stuff. And I thank you, Tom, and I both thank you for. I mean, the careers we have are, are because of you guys. You really oh, gave us you. gave us the opportunity. And you know, it, it, there, yeah. you know, there were ups and downs at the beginning, but I what I do know from a core perspective is that you guys like when i look back on some of the things it's not that you guys were right but you guys were like you had the right like 
you guys were making it good. They cared. And I've they taken really that cared. on from you guys. So thank you. What was the sign off now? We had a. Uh, uh, always remember Talkville. Always remember Smallville. <laughs> always hold on to Talkville. Always hold. That's it. Always. 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 Always hold on to Smallville. Always hold on to Smallville. <laughs> always hold on to Smallville, folks. Hi there. Sorry for the interruption, but. Are you enjoying this show on Google Podcasts? You should know that the Google Podcasts app is going away this spring. That's right, going away, gone, as in no longer available. You can still enjoy this show elsewhere, though. Try out Spotify or Amazon Music, or maybe TuneIn is more your style. Whatever app you switch to, be sure to follow so you never miss the next episode. And thanks for listening wherever you listen. All right, now it's time for the how, how can we forget you? The patrons, the patrons make this podcast possible. Tom, we know that we love you. It's the holidays. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Bryce has worked so hard. Our producer and editor, Jason, they've worked so hard on this show. If you watch the episode, the editing and the it's crazy. It's just it's awesome. Get people to watch it. Thanks for being a patron. Join patreon.com slash talkville and uh, continue to support the podcast. We see tons. I saw tons of patrons this last weekend in Pittsburgh. I was just going to say we were in Columbus and it was like five, seven, eight. It was like awesome. It was awesome seeing all the patrons and they love and they're wearing Talkville sweatshirts and Talkville shirts and Talkville mugs and Smallville nights. They're hitting that up. I love it. Go to go to uh, talkvillepodcast.com for all the merch and stuff for the holiday needs. Here we go. This is the uh, uh, best of shout outs of patrons. Nikki G, Leanne P, Rashi, Janine R, Santiago. I love that guy. He helps, helps us so much. Leah S. Hi. Little Lisa, Tom T, and Sophie M. Betsy D, Liliana A. Yes. Got it. I did it right? Yes. I'm high. I'm Abby P, Chris F, Kimberly E, Michael H, Rod. Ray. Remember Ray? Ray? She was pregnant. We saw her oh, at Columbus. That's, right. that's Ray. She she was speaking Japanese. Konnichiwa. Okay, that's yeah. She came to Smallville Nights that you guys have to go to when we're in town doing one. And she, she did, did she was speaking Lex in Japanese. That she was, was speaking Lex in Japanese. It was amazing. All right, Ray H. Go. <laughs> Ray H. Karen M. Danielle B. 99 more. Lilani N. Catherine P, Brett G, Super Sam, always hold on to Smallville, Esteban G, GJ, Kento, Twitch, Garrett W, Kimberly L, Justin S, Tom N, Tony V, Rodolfo V, Jason W, Osama A, Lana W, Nancy D. Brian G, Sarah W, Artoon K, Justin T, and Lucy O, Grape Jelly, 817, Jeremy G, Amanda R, Teddy127, Michael P, Theo M, Ryan R, Grumpy Itis, Grumpy Itis, uh, Jordan M, Hillary B, Craig G, Christy R, Pollyanna, Karen P, Derek G, Jarrell. It was only a matter of time. I know, I slipped up, I slipped up. Richard S., Heather and Greg, Nico P., I made Talk, Talk Bill, Bill Say, Buzz. Brian H., Georgina B., Eric K., Kristen B., Takashi M., Kevin E., and Nanine W. Oh, yeah. Stephanie K., Darth Achilles, Richard R., Finky, Kenny S., Sydney S., Tito G., Remix, Stephen F., damn, who's that? <laughs> Jeanette E., Deadvid, Deadvid, Allison H., General Zod, Amara, and Ev, Theodore, It's K., uh, now look at this. Crack. We thought it was crack. Do you know what it is? It's Clark spelled backwards. That's an L. I thought it was going to be Cruick. 
I think it's Clark backwards. It is. Drew M. Go. Shouldn't the K be backwards? Anyway. <laughs> uh, oh, geez. How do you, what's this one? Uh, Aresteles? Is that a new one? Aresteles? Thank you. Thank you for joining. Big Nicky John Glover's luscious mane. <laughs> Doug R. Tommy Z. Boston 68. Stone Age Isabel gave V. Sager S. Jack G. Corey L, Ivy and Sam, Brittany W, Kate F, Mr. Homar, Kate, Cal yeah. T, Amanda K, Jesse C, Jason Lumberjack, Claire M, fourth favorite character, Zoe. Oh, hang on. What is that? Fourth favorite character underscore Zoe. Say at Pittsburgh this year, this last weekend, okay. there's a, the cutest little girl and her name was Zoe. And she Wait, can't... little Zoe from Columbus, the little one with her dad. Oh yeah, that was with that was with you. Yeah, that was, that was Columbus. You in Columbus. And she says, "I go, who's lights. your favorite character?" And I go, "Where am I?" And she goes, "I go, who's first? She goes, "Lana." And I go, "Who's second?" Uh, Al, uh, Chloe. I go, "Who's third?" Clark. Who's fourth? Lex. And by the oh, end of the weekend, so I was like, "Thank numbered. you for joining, Zoe. But, You're you were like our spirit animal that weekend." But she did say her first favorite in person was me. That's a lie. Probably. Scott S. Freddie G. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate all of you. Thank you so much. Are Sellies are are Kellys? Well, one day we'll figure it out. Uh, we love you. Couldn't do it without you. We've got a great season two coming up. Thanks to you, the patrons. We want to keep this going. So keep supporting us if you can. And uh, by just listening, spreading the word, that's the biggest thing. And uh, all right, Tommy. Talk Thank to you, you later. very much. See ya. <laughs> <laughs>